0: good morning welcome to our reflection talk the Lord be with you I would like to take just a few seconds right now and if you have a concern on your heart and you would like to pray then that's what we're going to do and if you would just breathe one word it can be the name of someone it can be something that worries you or uh, something that you're concerned about personally. It could be a sin you want to confess. Just whisper or in your heart say that name, that word, that sin, and then say the name of Jesus so that you connect your concern with him. There's, there is nothing that Jesus cannot make better that he cannot redeem even the hardest things in our lives so for just a few seconds no more than in 15 or 20 seconds let's be silent and in our hearts to ourselves and to the Lord to say that name that word that sin and then I'm going to pray O God, our Father, creator of all that is good and beautiful, breathe again your spirit into our hearts. Today we are grateful for all those who every day risk their own health and safety to devote themselves to healing others. Please, Lord, protect them from this disease. And also keep safe all those who are most vulnerable because of their age, or impaired health, or their living arrangements, or their poverty, or their homelessness. Bless all those who continue working to provide essential services. Bless all farmers and packing house workers, all truck drivers and grocers, all pharmacists and clerks. Though we are separated by the danger Of this worldwide pestilence let us feel the oneness of heart that we have together in you a safe distance from each other may we feel our sacred togetherness let this time be to us a valuable investment in our spirits to keep us strong and loving for others and faithfully devoted to you these things we pray through Jesus Christ your son and our Lord and Savior. Amen. We are back in Hebrews this week, and uh, the writer quotes from Psalm 95. So let's go there first. Psalm 95 begins, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains also are his. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Well, the psalm, two times, invites us to come and to sing our praise, to come and to worship. uh, In verses 1 and 2, and then then again the invitation is repeated in verse 6. And both times the the poet gives us a reason for coming uh first of all for the lord is a great god and we praise him for for who he is and then the second time for we are his people the sheep of his pasture and and that is what his people do they come and they worship and then in verse 8 it's like the poet is saying to us well What are you waiting for? Come on, let's worship. And and he says, don't do what our ancestors did. He says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways therefore I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest these people paid a terrible price for their behavior in the wilderness and the the poet does not want his readers to follow their example, because if they do, they also will miss out on something wonderful. Now, the writer of Hebrews picks up this message, and he presents it at this point in chapter 3. So we go back to chapter 3 now, verse 7. Um, if we rem- remember, because it's been a couple weeks, right? Um, At the beginning of this chapter, the writer said, consider Jesus. And he he wanted us looking at Jesus in his ministries to us as our apostle and our high priest. He wanted us to see Jesus' faithfulness to God in these roles and in in his own devotion to God. So we, the cat wants to know what I'm talking about. Um, so we benefit from, from Jesus' service to us. He has called us into a transcendent partnership with him and with each other. And we have become members of his household. We live under his care. But this meditation on Jesus that the writer of Hebrews uh, provides for us, ends with an if if we hold fast to our confidence firm to the end now to illustrate why there is an if when we look at all that Jesus does for us when we see why is there an if the writer quotes the psalm that we just read only the last part of it beginning today if you will hear his voice do not harden your heart. The writer introduced the, introduces the psalm this way, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, now he's quoting something that was written a long time ago, but he does not use the past tense said, but the present tense says, as the Holy Spirit says. Now, this deserves our attention because first of all it shows us how profound the the writer's respect was for the scriptures and their inspiration he hears god's spirit speaking through scripture and he hears god's spirit speaking now to him the bible is not just a book of messages that were delivered a long time ago and had application only for that time. But in Jesus, um, as we read in the very first verse of Hebrews, God, a long time ago, in many ways, in many ways, spoke many times, in many ways, spoke to the prophets in these last days, has spoken to us by his Son. And he continues to speak through the Son, but he also speaks through Jesus by bringing to life and fresh Revelation, the the scriptures of the Old Testament, that rereading them through the lens of Jesus, we see things we have not seen before, and and uh, this old scripture has a currency today, and there's life in it today. So so the today of yesterday becomes this day that we live in right now. Uh, i have been reading in the book of acts just started in acts this week and uh, i find it really remarkable how quickly the apostles began to pick up on verses from the old testament that in this new light of jesus resurrection they saw fulfilled in jesus they saw and heard the prophets and the psalmists and even the law talking about the Lord Jesus. In fact, Peter quotes Psalm 2, which is also quoted here in the book of Hebrews, only Peter quotes a different part of the psalm. But both the writer of Hebrews and Peter looked at Psalm 2 and saw Jesus in that psalm. So this is not unusual uh, for the early church. This is the fresh inspiration we could call it the fresh hermeneutic that that understanding the meaning of scripture now comes to a fuller level when seen in the light of jesus in in luke's gospel one of the last things that jesus did for the disciples and it was a wonderful gift he gave them. he said to them everything written about me in the law of moses and the prophets and the psalms must be fulfilled then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures isn't that wonderful he told them that he was there in the scriptures and then he opened their minds to see it they had not seen it before and and this is really the story the, the big story in luke chapter 24 how the disciples the two disciples on the road to Emmaus had their minds blown and then their minds opened by jesus to be able to see him in the old testament you know this is especially what we do in our devotional reading of scripture uh, there's a way to read the bible with our head where we're analyzing and we're dissecting and we are parsing but there's also a way to read scripture with our heart where we're just receiving and responsive to it we're feeling and and accepting uh, from god what he's giving us and and this is what we do in our lectio divina our sacred listening to god speak to us through scripture in the here and now and um, we are continuing by the way our lectio our lectio divina on wednesday nights and we're doing it through zoom and I'll, i'll come back to that later on Today, the writer of Hebrews is bringing this home to us, and we can say in the here and now, and and we'll get more into this next week. Today, if you'll hear his voice, don't do what our ancestors did so long ago. Don't do today what they did yesterday. And now the quotation uh, of the psalm begins. Today if you will hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. The, The quotation begins with an if. Today, if you will hear his voice. So that connects with what we read last week you know where we are two weeks ago where we ended with the if and it brings back. this is conditional if you will hear his voice and uh, he'll use if uh, again before we're out of this chapter the uh, now um, this particular psalm is very important to the writer of hebrews and he's going to quote from it several more times. We'll find a a line or two from the psalm repeated all the way almost to the end of chapter four. He'll keep talking about this psalm, so we're gonna get into this, and I think next week is one of the richest passages of scripture in terms of our spiritual life today, Uh, but we'll have to wait for that. Uh, He'll also select specific words from the psalm to emphasize, like the word today. He'll really be on top of that. This is a warning. There were people before who journeyed with God, journeyed with God for 40 years, and yet they failed to reach their destiny. The destiny he had appointed for them. Where did they go wrong? Well, the simple diagnosis is that they had heart problems in verse uh, 8 do not harden your hearts in verse 10 they always go astray in their hearts that was God's diagnosis of his people the heart can grow hard and the heart can go astray and it was because their hearts were wrong that they did wrong the heart leads the way when when I read the psalm I read two place names Mirabah and Massah now those are the Hebrew names of of a place where uh, Israel tested the Lord now the Greek version of the Old Testament called the Septuagint does not translate or uh, pardon me it translates those words it doesn't give the place name but it gives the meaning of those words rebellion and testing so that's what we have here in hebrews not those ancient words uh, Meribah and masah but the, their meaning as they come to us rebellion and testing this particular event was not the last straw rather it was representative of that 40 years of bad behavior this was an ongoing problem they're complaining they're griping they're they're saying oh we would have been better off if we had stayed in egypt or if we had died in egypt or if we had died in this wilderness they were testing god what does that mean You know sometimes God tests us and it's it's like uh, putting gold in a crucible and melting it so whatever imperfections there are in the gold will come to the surface he tests us to see if we're solid gold or if we're just uh, you know a gold plating Uh, but what does it mean for them to test God well if you have children I'm sure this is easy for you to understand because when they're small they will test the boundaries that their parents set for them did your children ever ever do that with you you tell them don't go in the street and so they they go to the edge of the sidewalk and they turn and they look at you and then they they move towards the curb and they turn and look at you again and they're testing the boundaries to see how far they can go before there are consequences They just want to know how flexible those boundaries are. And Israel did that with God constantly. How far can we go before God gets so upset with us that he wipes us out? Well, let's make a golden calf. Let's say that that is our God who brought us out of Egypt. And, you know, even as severe as that was, and God did threaten to wipe them out uh, f- for that. But as severe as that was, that was not the last straw. The last straw came when they came to the border of the promised land, and there they rebelled. There they refused to go any further. They talked about getting rid of Moses and, and appointing a new leader to take them back to Egypt of all things. God says, therefore, I was provoked with that generation. They, they finally crossed the line. But, but this was indicative of a set pattern. They always go astray in their hearts. There's, there's something interesting here because it's threaded through the Old Testament. I remember when I first started looking at this and then I I poured through the Old Testament all these passages to to get a a better feeling for it because it's a little abstract it says that here that Israel saw God's way uh, God's works but then God said they have not known my ways there's God's works what he does and there's God's ways what are God's ways Well, God's ways have to do with what's in his heart, his plans, his intentions. It has to do with what he sees uh, and what he looks for. God's ways have to do with his way of being with his people, of moving in his universe, and it has to do with what he he, I could say what he values he says let not the wise man boast in his wisdom nor the strong man boast in his strength but he who boasts let him boast in this that he knows me the Lord God that he knows I am merciful I am just I am righteous because in these things I delight this is in Jeremiah chapter 9 so these are God's ways Isaiah said let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous his thoughts ways thoughts okay for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord so God's ways and God's thoughts are as high Above, or high above ours, as the heavens are above the earth. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. He says. Then there's this, this verse in Psalm one hundred three, where we're told that God made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. God revealed. His ways what those things that were within him the way that was in him but his people saw his works what a difference they only saw what he revealed in terms of, of what happened in the world around them but Moses had a better understanding of what was going on around him because he knew the ways of the Lord God says here in the psalm, they have not known my ways. Think of, of how this differ. God revealed to Moses his intent and motive behind his actions. His people only saw his actions. God wants us to know him and in knowing him, to know his ways. As I swore in my wrath, wrapping up the psalm, The writer of Hebrews has a keen interest in all that God has said. I mean, we've seen this. He starts off with this this, um, list of quotations from the Psalms and from the prophets, and he continues to quote Scripture. It's very important to him. So he pays close attention when God speaks in the Old Testament, and especially when God swore an oath. And so three times in the book of Hebrews, the writer is going to quote three different instances when God swore an oath. The first one was to Abraham in Genesis 22. And there, um, God swore by himself. Then we have this example when he swore his oath that his people would not enter his rest. And then later on, uh, in Psalm 110, he swore an oath to his son, you are a priest forever. So um, the point is that in swearing this oath, God shut a door that could not be opened. It's, it's one thing for God to say, if you... Harden your heart you won't go in the promised land or it's it's like him saying i'm going to count to three and you had better do as i say okay that still gives you a chance but when he says i swore in my wrath they would not enter my rest he shut the door on that wilderness generation of israelites that they were not allowed to go into the promised land they complained they said oh we're, we're going to try to go into the land and the people who live there will kill us all uh, let's let's not go any further let's go back and he said okay that's it you're not going in so that's the significance of him of him swearing this oath against him that this resolves it What does this psalm have to do with the readers of Hebrews? Well, they were not that wilderness generation. They weren't wandering in the same way, but they did have problems of their own. They lived in a troubled time. It had been some time since Jesus had died and risen again, and some time since they had become Christians, and it was becoming difficult. Maybe some of them were, were being persecuted. Maybe some of them were becoming bored. Uh, they, they came to faith because they thought Jesus was gonna come back any day now, and that he hadn't returned yet may have been a problem for them. So what does this, why this quotation, what does it have to do with them? The writer of Hebrews says in chapter three, verse 12, "'Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if, indeed, we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, If you hear his voice today, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Take care, brothers and sisters. The word take care is actually one word in the Greek, it's blepo, and it simply means to see. But in a context like this, it means something like behold or look look out, um, beware. Paul, in 2 Corinthians, says, Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, Look out, because there may be in you an evil and unbelieving heart. Now, the word evil in both the Hebrew and the Greek language does not always refer to moral evil of right and wrong. And sometimes we bring morality into into issues that we need to see in a different light. The word can simply mean bad, like overripe fruit. Um, Someone might say, oh, don't, don't drink that milk, it's gone bad. Well, that can happen to the human heart. The human heart can also go bad, For instance when our love for God grows cold or when our heart is hardened it becomes stubborn about things about forgiveness of someone who's wronged us um, about uh, getting along with others who have different political views Uh, we can become hardened uh, and we and it can happen when we settle into a fixed attitude of negativity. Just see everything as as, I'm sorry, uh, as, as wrong, as oppressive, as miserable, and, and as not working out. This isn't going to work. Faith doesn't work. Prayer doesn't work. We want to be careful of, of our hearts being hardened in any of these ways unbelieving can mean that our faith gives out unbelieving is can be disbelief like Thomas last week his disbelief and Jesus said Thomas don't disbelieve but believe but it's not always um, unbelieving in the sense of our faith gives out it can mean that I have become unfaithful to God it still has to do with faith but faith is a matter of uh, fidelity, and if I have become unfaithful to God, then um, I am in the opposite place of Jesus, who in the first part of, of Hebrews chapter three is faithful to God, and we're gonna find out that in the life of Jesus, faithfulness is a key, and that in his faithfulness, he, has, he is an example to us as to how we live to please God and to go the distance. Faithfulness and endurance, these are, are two big themes in Hebrews. When Israel went astray, it was usually after other gods. So this, this evil and unbelieving heart, this, this evil and faithless heart, led them astray, led them after other gods gods and our hearts can lead us away from the living God it's the heart that leads a person it's not only what we know but it's how we feel about what we know you know sometimes we think that we're we're Spock on on Star Trek that we can be Vulcans that uh, we don't have to feel anything that emotions get in the way that they're useless that everything in our relationship with God is about the intellect it's about knowing the scripture and knowing doctrine and knowing theology and knowing the answers to the important questions um, that, that unbelievers might ask but really most of our important decisions are based on feelings um, lovers don't usually talk about the economics of of their future relationship as a deciding factor as as a deal breaker it's can we love each other through this um, is our love strong enough to to carry us on and when we even buy a car not that I've bought a new car but you know if, if we go to the car lot it's, a lot of it is what we feel when we see the car uh, it's what we imagine and it's not just the knowledge of the sticker price and and how far we can get that that down so so knowing God is not just a matter of having information but it's also having feelings about God feelings for God and here he's referred to as The living God. Four times in Hebrews, he will be referred to as the living God. So we'll talk about this more later on. But the Old Testament prophets, when they talked about idols, would sometimes say that they have no breath in them. In the Psalms, uh, in a couple of places, it says idols have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, they can't hear. They have hands and feet, but they can't go anywhere. Um, and they're also called a vanity, the the idol is a vanity, that is, it is emptiness, it is nothingness. And Israel have been led astray from the living God to nothingness, not just to dead things, but to things that, that had no existence at all. next the, the writer of hebrews says exhort one another <clears throat> every day as long as it is called today i suppose there will be a final day and and no more today's after that so as long as it's today that means there's opportunity and he says so every day exhort one another i'm not a fan of the word exhort and it's probably because of how it's been used. Well, I know it's because of how it's been used as I was growing up in uh, the, sub, the religious subculture that I was in. Um, if, if, if anyone should ever tell me, um, I believe God's given me the gift of exhortation. Um, I would say, why don't you ask him for something else? Um, something a little healthier, something a little more balanced something that's actually going to be helpful to other people you see the, the problem is okay the problem is as I see it I should say is that too many Christians feel that the word exhort gives them a license to rip on others To straighten other people out to fix people to scold people they think that exhortation is scolding but what they call exhortation is in fact condemnation and I was condemned so many times by people who thought they were exhorting me exhortation is actually useful It's, it's helpful to a person And it can be received with gratitude but there's none of that in the in the typical exhortations of fundamentalist and evangelical Christians there's just this negative uh, you know wrath of the servant who's bringing you the message A, a better translation here I think would be encourage the word the Greek word for exhort is related to the word Jesus used for the Holy Spirit when he referred to the spirit as the comforter all right so um, the 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 comforter the one who comforts the one who encourages this is the person you call when you need support when you need solace when you need comfort and affirmation so it's 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 very different from how it's too often used as long as it's called today be there for each other encouraging each other uh, the writer will emphasize that there's no expiration date on today that at least not yet that there's still chance there's there's still opportunity Uh, the Sun has not gone down on our lives yet And so today continues. This is our today. This moment right now is our today. It's, It's an opportunity. It is an open door. It is a possibility that we can take hold of. Now, how can we encourage each other every day in a time of quarantine? This is a challenge, isn't it? Um, we're not all sitting in the same room right now Uh, we did not greet each other when we came into a building this morning we won't be able to to hug and say goodbye as we leave Uh, and if we were together we wouldn't even shake hands I doubt that we'd even bump elbows at this point we'd have a safe distance between ourselves so how are we going to, to to fulfill this how are we going to be the spiritual community the body of Christ during this time well um, we have to get creative huh uh, like I said we are doing our Lectio Divina on Wednesday nights still seven o'clock but we're doing it through the, the electronic technology of zoom uh, of course there's FaceTime there's Skype there are a number of different ways that we could keep in touch with each other, and that we could encourage each other. And we might think about that. My next post on Facebook, is it going to be a political rant? Or am I going to say something to encourage my brothers and sisters in this difficult time, in these in these trying days? Now, can you have a Bible study online? Well, probably not, but I'm trying, right? Um, can you do Lectio Divina which is very intimate people sharing from their hearts now fortunately the people in our group all know each other and feel comfortable with each other so we can speak to each other in person or electronically and we feel that tightness and we feel the safety of being able to say what's on our heart or ask the deep questions in our hearts um, a friend of mine who participated in one of our Zoom meetings told me afterwards, if someone had told me last week that this would actually work, I would not have believed it. And that was so encouraging to hear because I felt the same way. I felt, can we get to that same place? Can we get the same wisdom, the same depth? Can we get to the same issues doing this with Zoom as we can together? Now I would always prefer um an incarnational meeting where we are physically together, but this is actually a, a, a possibility. It's a good thing that we can reach out and touch each other in in this way. Uh, some people have taken this Sunday morning talk and reposted it, shared it on on their newsline or their their page. That's embarrassing for me because. Um, those of you who know me, I'm an introvert and uh, I don't want people who don't know me to watch me how dare they Uh, however, this is what God called me to do and I have to put up with that part of it but the idea is keep warming up faith in your own heart and in the hearts of others because that warm faith will keep the heart soft it will prevent it from becoming hardened it's when we doubt, it's when we stop believing that the heart gets really hard. Keep heating up your heart and the hearts of others. He says in, in verse 14, For we have come to share in Christ. I love that. We share in Christ. This, this refers to a belonging. That in a sense, Jesus belongs to us. We don't own him. No one corners the market on God. No one can, can give the ultimate word about God. I'm sure there's an ultimate word, but none of us know it. Um, there's an ultimate truth, but no one knows that truth perfectly. Uh, so it's not, that, it's not that we own him, um, but rather that um, he belongs to us and we belong to him. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. Right? That wonderful passage from the, the Song of Solomon. Um, we share. You and I have a, a partnership in this. We have a share in this. It's yours and it's mine. Jesus is yours and He's mine. And you are his and I am his. It's just too beautiful. And there's the if if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end as it says today if you hear his voice do not harden your heart all right this chapter ends with a quiz yes it does and the quiz is based on the psalm that the writer has quoted so if you go back and look at the psalm, you'll have all the answers for the quiz. There are three questions. Verse 16: For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses? Second question: And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And the third question. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Luke Timothy Johnson in his commentary on Hebrews says that each question has in effect the same answer from a slightly different perspective. Yes. Yes. For each question, the answer is the people of Israel. But you're looking at it through a different lens each time. The writer's conclusion to all of this uh, is that they were unable to enter because of unbelief or because of a lack of faithfulness to God. And we'll come back to this next week because that's what chapter 4 is all about it's going to explore that even more but he is saying they came all this way but did not enter their faith or faithfulness did not carry them through last year uh, reading through Hebrews when I came to this passage I asked myself does God Punish me for my attitude and my behavior when I'm having a bad day. I don't mean to be rebellious, but there are times when I feel that way. I'm not going to do what I know I should do right now. I'm not going to spend time in prayer. I'm not going to try to settle myself. I'm not going to work at forgiveness. I'm not going to read my Bible um or maybe worse i mean uh, and on those bad days when i have those negative thoughts is god going to say well okay then you're not going to enter my rest i don't believe that we're punished for how we feel on our bad days now i will say this on my bad days when i say i'm not going to do this or i'm not going to do that I end up depriving myself and it's not God shutting me out it's me shutting myself out and I think that that's sad that, that we can do that to ourselves but as we saw these periods of complaining and griping and even gross idolatry those weren't the deal-breakers ultimately it was a pattern of rebellion a, a, a set Negative, negativity it was their hardened hearts with their hearts constantly leading them astray but there's a danger always a danger that a bad attitude can harden and become a permanent disposition and that's why we don't want the bad attitude even on the day when everything seems to be going wrong and none of our plans are working out none of our friends are there for us and (laughs) We can can go on and on Um, We don't want That to be today and tomorrow. We don't want a, a cluster of bad days or a season of bad days To create a permanent attitude for us more importantly every day we are we have a chance to choose better i can realize i'm in a bad mood i have a chance to choose a better mood today if you will hear his voice do not harden your heart come on now come on soften that heart up a bit you can do it come on let's see a smile all right maybe a little laugh Do you hear how the Spirit of God is coaxing you? He's saying, look, you've got a chance. Make this right. You can do this. In fact, no one can do this for you. Uh, People can be helpful sometimes. Um, Sometimes they can sing to you a funny song and be so silly that you can't help but laugh. But other times that same song and silliness can just make you even more pissed off. So... It's up to you to turn the switch inside and we can we we can do that today if you'll hear his voice don't harden your heart we can listen to God speaking to us now we can respond and we can choose we can choose To come and sing to the Lord, to make a joyful noise to the God of our salvation. We can choose to come and worship and bow down and kneel before him. We can choose to go on regardless of how we feel on our bad days. We can still go on and do the right things. We can still do good things on our bad days. We can still follow God on this journey of faith. We can choose to not allow our hearts to lead us astray from the living God to nothingness. And when we find that we've gone astray, we can return to God quickly. We can choose to return quickly. We can choose to learn God's ways, not just his deeds, It's wonderful to know what he's done and what he's capable of doing but to know what he's likely to do what's what's most like him because we know his ways which are sometimes baffling to be sure but the psalmist prayed make me to know your ways O Lord that can be our prayer we can choose to stay in today with our focused attention on God now to be into in today is to be in this moment and i want to say something that's a little far-fetched but to to really be in this moment to breathe this moment to feel the texture of this moment to be conscious of being here now with whatever We hear whatever we see whatever thoughts float through our mind to be with them as as looking at them but not caught up in them we can be in the moment so much that there's no past moment there's no future moment there's just a continuous flowing of this moment well I'm not there But the moment can flow like this constantly. And when we fall out of it, the idea is to come back into it. That today I can be aware of God's presence with me, around me, in the world. We can choose to hold fast and to hold firm our confidence in him. That's the if. If we hold fast, if we hold firm, And is it really that hard God says they saw my works for 40 years I can say I've seen Jesus help in my life for more than 40 years he's always been there and I know that I can trust him to take me the rest of the way and so can you and that's what we're being told to do to to go to that place of trust where Jesus carries us forward and we're able to take the next step. And we're able to take the next step with song and rejoicing if we have a worship reflex and we're willing to say, yes, you invite me to come to you and bow down, yes. Here I am. I hope that you have the best week of April, this next week. That, that good things come to you. That you notice beauty around you. That pleasant fragrances waft in your direction. And that your smile becomes contagious. Uh, more contagious than any virus. May the Lord bless us. Keep away all evil and lead us into his eternal life in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.